0: chapter, John? Number five, five, book of Acts. Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the Holy Spirit? Yes, (laughs) I like that. She just says yes. (laughs) There we go. Is that better? Jim, you got me tonight? Um, Loud and clear. I can be louder. Okay. Ooh. You got a suntan when you were out in California. Were you at the beach? No, 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 beach, up there. no beach, huh? You weren't. Uh oh. <laughs> All right. Acts chapter 5, and let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. In the ministry and and love and grace of your Holy Spirit as teacher, we, we come before you, Jesus, asking to be taught. We we study this book of history that you gave us. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the record of, of what happened in the beginning. Help us to grow in understanding and wisdom, knowledge, uh, counsel, Lord, uh, of you. As we seek you, as we seek to live for you in our day, uh, pray that you would work in us the very, the very truth. Uh, Lord, change us in, in the things where the Spirit, uh, reveals and the things you want to teach that we can be more and more like Jesus. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Acts five. As I get there, okay, for fun, we're in Acts 5, right? We left off in 4, and this is the fun part, I believe. Uh, we tie this together. Uh, in the beginning, in the days in which uh, the church was really threatened, right? That uh, We have to understand it did not take very long in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, in the uh, work of salvation of the Holy Spirit. That's God's work, right? Salvation is God's working. Man does not do that. Uh, we, uh, the way Paul said it to the church, he says, "Who's Paul? Who's Apollos? Who's who are these men?" He says, "We're servants." He says, "One waters, right? One sowed, another watered, but it is God who gave the increase." We read as we we studied here in the Book of Acts, the really the increase. Again, our perspective is seemingly with very little sowing, right? Very little watering. However, Jesus himself had been on the earth for 3 years ministering and the truth and living out the the gospel of Jesus Christ, the resurrection from the dead was right in your face, if you will. Think think about what we have to convince people of now Concerning the resurrection, first we have to explain to them about God and then how God has a son and how 2000 years ago God sent his son to the earth and how that he was crucified. And you see where this goes when you take time uh, really out of the equation or put it in the gospel never changes. And that's the other part. The work of salvation does not change. And I love this because as we study the book of Acts, uh, as I'm worshiping tonight, the best way I can understand the, the importance of going through some things like this is it repeats in history in days of revival. And I think for us to grasp, there are times, and you can study it out, if you want to uh, get down that path of studying the history of revival in the church, I recommend J. Edwin Orr, O-R-R. There are some of his teachings recorded on the Internet. He, I think his ministry really ended around the, somewhere in the 80s. So there's things that are recorded. And if I remember right, he spoke one time at a Calvary Chapel Pastors Conference in the early days of conferences. And not that that matters anything. It's not like he had a great teaching, not that. But what he did, and it was a great service for the church, is he studied, he studied the history of really how the book of Acts continues. And that, that for us is important. Because if you come to this book of Acts and you think it's history and like, well, it's over. Right? It's over. It, then we'd end up with things we see out there, the way some churches operate saying, there are no gifts of the Spirit for today. The, the work of the Holy Spirit regards to the miracles. There are no more miracles. They ceased. And frankly, that's why it becomes valuable when we study a chapter like chapter 5. So out of four, the great, the great threatening to tell the apostles to stop preaching Christ. They were threatened. They go back together with the believers in fellowship and they pray together. And the place where they were at was shaken once again, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then get this phrase, they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, you can study this out in those revivals. That's what happened. And I really love reading, I'll give you one more thing. In the days of Finney, Charles Finney, when he preached in upstate New York, he had with him two men who would go forth and would go ahead of of where the town he was going to be in, he had two men who went ahead of him and would pray for those two weeks and through all of the sessions that they did uh, in preaching of the gospel. And one of those men, uh, one of those men, his name is Daniel Nash, would be really worth it to, to look up information on him, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be very honest with you, hard to find. A man who poured out his life in prayer for a short period of time and had amazing Charles Finney had amazing results people would come to Finney's meetings with testimonies like this we were home in our house and we came under this great conviction that we needed to get right with God so i went out to the to the to the to the barn and got the trailer and hooked up the horses and we came into town and we found we found this happening And seemingly from no influence by any other person. And that's why I like what I ask ask you tonight. Acts of the Holy Spirit or Acts of the Apostles? Well, it was the works of Jesus continuing in the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was me grunting. There we go. It'll fall in a bit. So what happened in those days when they spoke the word of God with boldness? And out of that arose many people being saved in Acts chapter four, 4. Holy Spirit came upon them again, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God with boldness. And then what begins to happen there in the church is the love of God overflows. And it's Barnabas who comes and had sold a, a piece of property. He was a Levite from Cyprus. Holy Spirit came upon the church I don't know if he was there for Passover when Jesus was crucified and stayed in the Pentecost, or if he came up for Pentecost and was there when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But Barnabas, we were introduced to him as the son of encouragement. And he sold some property. He gave it all. He he, he You catch this. He gave everything that he had unto the Lord and the and laid it at the apostles feet now out of that comes chapter 5 so there was a great working happening and i think chapter 5 is important because just as i talk about upstate new york days of revival early 1900s great great history days of of finney you know daniel nash praying together the other guy's name is evan and i can never remember his last name who would pray from time to time with daniel nash Out of the Great Awakening in upstate New York arose probably uh, the biggest cult or two of the biggest cults that we now have present day, two of the biggest cults, and one of them that arises out of that is the Church of the Latter-day Saints, Church of Mormon, the Latter-day Saints. (coughs) That is the working of Satan after the work of God that took place. Eighty percent of the people who, who believed and received the gospel in Finney's days where he would go out, 80 percent continued. Those are unheard of numbers. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the other one that arose out of that, I believe, was the Jehovah's Witnesses. Also arose out of that same time period. That's it. I can't handle it anymore. I'm broken. I'm not I'm not resisting God. I'm broken. Okay. So we come to chapter 5 in these days and it says in verse 1 a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part, laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, here's a quote, again, and I I, I encourage you. uh, This, to me, is a personal touch from Pastor Chuck to all the Calvary Chapel pastors. His commentary on the book of Acts. And whatever you do with that, that's up to you. None of you are Calvary Chapel pastors, right? Right? So I take it to heart, but when I share this with you, okay, this is important for me because I I don't want to miss this because if if we're honest, Calvary Chapel was birthed in days of revival. And when you come to know, understand Book of Acts, power of God, I I, I don't know many times, and certainly not anywhere recorded in 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 the church that the Holy Spirit you know that holy spirit did this with Ananias and Sapphira but look look at the context in which it comes and here's the quote whenever god is at work you can expect satan to try to fight it that's not a surprise now this is the context of acts 4 and 5 so satan's at work trying to stop through the persecution threatening of the jewish religious leaders to get this work of salvation to stop. That didn't work so well because what do we read in Acts 4? They were praising and glorifying God and then more outpouring of the Holy Spirit, more word of God with boldness, more giving, more laying down of lives, more people coming and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. And so now another technique. What is a surprise is that he so often tries to fight us from within the church instead of without. Opposition to God's work often comes from religious circles rather than secular. Now, I think it's good for us to note that what happened in Acts chapter 4, it was the gift of giving. Not required. Nobody said you sell everything you have and give it to the church. Now, think of how people complain today about tithing in church. And then they say, well, it's not even written in the New Testament. And, and I, I mean, they just, I, 10%, I, I don't know if Christians are supposed to do that or not. or That's the Old Testament stuff. And really it would be nice to just say, what? Well, well, then let's go New Testament. Sell everything you have, come and lay it at the feet of the apostles, and come and serve Jesus Christ. I'm pretty sure the 10% wouldn't sound so bad at that point. So you, you have in the context of the way it even comes into English, but a certain man. Right. So this is a contrast to the son of encouragement, Barnabas, who gave everything in his life. So the church had just been through a severe trial, an outward threat, promise of persecution. If they did not stop, if they didn't stop preaching Jesus, now take note. How was that overcome? Okay. Think of days of Nehemiah, right? What did they do in the days of Nehemiah when the attack came from without the threats? To stop building the wall. That was the work in Nehemiah's day. Well, Nehemiah did not respond to their threats. However, if you read closely, what did he do? He continued the work as he entrusted and prayed unto God. They prepared themselves. Right? They, they carried weapons. Now, you do realize the shooting in Ames this week? Did anybody pay attention? There was a shooting at a, at a Baptist church in Ames, Iowa. Three people killed. The murderer killed himself after he killed two women in the church parking lot. Oh, it's overshadowed, wasn't it? Over all the other stuff that the world wants to talk about. So what do we need to do now? Many times in church we protect ourselves and then, right, you protect yourself and you continue to, like Nehemiah did, you pray. What was overcome or how they overcome the attack from without? By prayer. By prayer. So now, as this comes forth, here Satan actually, his attempt to destroy the church fails from without. Now he tries a tactic to destroy it from within. And if you study church history, uh, you'll find out this one truth. The church has always thrived in persecution. It thrives. However, when it loses its uh, most of the time in church history, when it loses its effectiveness, it's because of internal impurity. Sometimes the greatest danger a church can experience is this word called success. I remember early Calvary Chapel pastors' conferences for me, 2003, four, five, right in there. One of the first ones, Chuck stands up, turns to the book of Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Right? Why are you seeking to perfect in the flesh which has begun in the spirit? And then he would turn around to exhort all the men there to continue in the spirit. I have discovered over time that more more have suffered loss of everything in the ministry at the hands of this thing called success rather than what we normally would term as seeming failure. So here we find it that if you look at it closely, the mistake of Ananias and Sapphira was believing they could lie to the Holy Spirit, right? And and this, I think this is a wonderful understanding for us that the Holy Spirit is a person. You don't you don't lie to a force, do you? You don't lie to. I mean, try to lie to electricity. It's not going to respond to you, is it? You you think of a force like that, but this uh, this lying and deceiving it's a serious threat in the church. And again, if we're honest, that's a serious threat even today. Lying and deceiving or what we'd call hypocrisy now here's Peter's word to Ananias verse four, while it remained, was it not your own, and after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God so here's the issue. We talk about terms like internal impurity. we think of things like well, what do you think of you know, but here's where the Bible goes. And the way to describe this, the issue was not that they were required to give or that, you know, even that they, I mean, they could have did whatever they wanted to do with their property, but their issue wasn't their giving. Maybe you thought that was it. You know, like the church doesn't have, I mean, I, you aren't in these realms I am, you know, I hear guys talking about giving is down, you know, or whatever, right? That it's not the issue. The issue is really not the giving in church. The issue is the hypocrisy. You know, so many structures have been built upon making sure that that people keep showing up and you know keep giving money, and that's really the only structure. But in the book of Acts, that's not what this was about. They didn't need money. But what happened was this hypocrisy. They wanted to make everyone believe their commitment was greater than it actually was. Now that is present day in the church. I'm trying to get to a note here. Come on. So when we talk about, I'll phrase it to you this way. How about this? The operation of the gifts of the Spirit. When you think of it in the days of the early Church of Acts, gift of giving, and then those that want to appear to have the gift of giving, right? So we're told, Romans 12, give the gifts of the Spirit in proportion to faith. So isn't it great faith to sell all that you have, give it all away, and go live a new life for Jesus. Maybe it meant for you leaving your job. Maybe it meant for you leaving where your family was and you needed to go to the place God said for you to go. Whatever that is, to to take that step of faith and in proportion to your faith. And and we did this. I mean, my 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 understanding of what God was doing with us called into the ministry was that at a certain point I could no longer keep my career and I actually had to put... My relationship with God in proportion to faith, that I'm an, if I'm going to pastor a church, a small church, be, be though it's small, I have to put my career behind and trust the Lord is leading and guiding in that area. And in that proportion, uh, to lay it all down. We see it in Acts 4 with the gift of giving in Barnabas. If you think of it this way, Romans 12.9, let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, right? Cling to that which is good. Be kindly affection to one another. What, what we see with, with Barnabas is genuine love in giving everything that he has. Love for who? Love for the Lord. And then along come Ananias and Sapphira. They, there's something that they saw that they wanted, that maybe they wanted the, the, the names, you know, son and daughter of encouragement. We don't ever get that, do we? But they lied. The hypocrisy. Now, as we take this up, If you thought hypocrisy was like a small issue, well, actually quite big in Jesus' eyes, how many times did he say unto the Pharisees, and how many times, you know, you think about how he'd even teach his disciples, he says, what's the leaven of the Pharisees? He says, beware of the leaven. And what's the leaven of the Pharisees? Was their doctrine and hypocrisy? The Pharisees would go around, and they wanted all the best seats, and they wanted, they wanted the place of honor. They gave their giving publicly. But he would always talk about their hypocrisy, admonishing them. So here you have Ananias and Sapphira. Their deeds are not genuine, only done to impress men. But think of the sinners who came to Jesus who were broken over their sin. He was not scathing with sinners, was he? But he was scathing with those who were sinners yet, yet wanted to appear righteous and that was the issue. Now, in many ways, I'm actually very glad that it turned out the way it did in Acts chapter 5, that in the beginning, while this is happening, the Holy Spirit himself intervenes. And while they lied to the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit who actually does something about it. Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. Acts five. 5. Now, Why do I say I'm glad? I'm not glad that he died. I'm not glad it went that way. But can you imagine if hypocrisy had been allowed to be what church was about from the beginning? Think of how many times in churches everybody says things like, well, they're just hypocrites there. I saw him in church and then on Tuesday, on Friday night and whatever it might be. And isn't this really what we're working at together, endeavoring? to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, why we're involved in each other's lives. See, what happens with the church model where you just come to church, uh, a giant big church on Sundays and you don't know anybody, and then you go and live your life however you live? And I mean, I, I know of one pastor in in West Fargo. One of the first things he does when he meets people coming into church, he gets their Facebook page. Here's mine. Can I have your Facebook page? <laughs> you find out a lot about, about people, don't you, by what they post. And it's just it's so it's it's the world that we now are in. So Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias falls down, breathes his last, great fear came upon all those that heard these things. Uh, don't miss that type of great fear, because you know study the revivals. In the days of revival in Wales, the people there came under such a great conviction over their sin. It's recorded that they went out into the woods under the weight of the conviction of of their sin between them and God, and they were groaning in their in their in their lives because of the the understanding that that sin that they had in their lives would bring forth death, would bring hell, and they're groaning as as they're turning to the Lord now it's also when you read the accounts that in some of those towns where these revivals were beginning, the bars were shutting down, they were laying off the police officers in one of the accounts. They actually lost productivity in the coal mine because the the donkeys that they were using to pull the carts were actually trained and only responded to cussing. So now that the men got saved in the mines, they the the donkeys actually didn't know how to respond to normal commands. And so for a, a time productivity dipped until they could retrain the donkeys. That type of revival. That type of purity, that type of Holy Spirit presence that you don't need an outside person to make things right in your heart. It's when in the beginning that hypocrisy was taken care of. And when somebody tried to lie openly to the Holy Spirit, it was addressed. So the young men arise, wrap him up, carry him out and buried him. Satan's first endeavor to invade the, invade the church was with hypocrisy. Can you imagine what that would be like when you hear that? I understand great fear came upon the church because if you hear this, what happened in church today? Ananias died. What? He just gave all that? What happened? And can you imagine how quickly everybody, no way. Just that power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Three hours later, his wife comes in, verse 7. She didn't know what happened unto her husband. Peter answers her and said, what would you sell it for? How much? Right? Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last. And the young men came in, found her dead, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. Great fear came upon all the church and upon those who heard those things. Satan's attempt to weaken the witness of the church by diluting the message. I think, think about that. Um, Pretty sure that from this point forward, everybody was probably a little bit aware of, are you going to lie to the Holy Spirit? And I love this testimony from my pastor, and he shares it from the pulpit, so I share it as well. He got saved in Okinawa and in in the place where he was saved and the way that he got saved in that he was choosing either to end it all or give give Jesus one more chance he that's how we went to the bible study that he knew about and it was that night that he got saved and in in that environment the power of the holy spirit they would have believers meetings afterglows and they had, one of the, one of the sisters there had the, the spiritual gift word of knowledge. And the Holy Spirit, many times in their afterglows, would be her receiving a word of knowledge concerning the sin that some of the men, young men, you know, Marines stationed in Okinawa were doing that week. And Chick shares testimony of coming to church and just waiting upon the Lord, Holy Spirit meeting and she would just stop look you know praying look up over at chick what'd you do that for what were you thinking and she would actually say exactly what he did and so his his testimony is that's the environment he was saved in that type of fear of the lord over how you're living your life when you're seemingly alone that's acts 5 now you can take it to the level of you know them dying but i'm saying presence of the holy spirit revealing the things, the secrets in our hearts. Or how is it when you've lied and you get away with it seemingly, you know, but the Holy Spirit then convicting you over lying, stealing, cheating, anything that's not righteous. And what we're describing is the supernatural work of God in a powerful way when it's the Spirit of God doing that in the church. Satan's attempt to weaken it sobered everybody up and the, the result was purity, purity. And and I think, I love the words that, that Paul says to Timothy. He says, let no man despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in faith, in love, in conduct, in purity. The, the purity in the church, I, we read all the stories, but I, again, I think of how important it is for, if we're straightforward. <clears throat> really, the message of the church has been greatly diluted. Because, well, frankly, um, the purity and power really isn't in the church. Now, if you look at verse 12, we, we we get through with Ananias and Sapphira and then see the result. So just like chapter four, when they're threatened, spirit comes upon them through prayer, they're delivered. Holy Spirit comes upon them and, and more work is done. When they're When they are purified and great fear comes upon the church, by the hands of the apostles, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. What happens when that when that is a fearful thing? Like, you know what happened when you lied to the Holy Spirit? Then the Holy Spirit does more working in power to bring forth salvation. It says, signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all together in one accord in Solomon's porch. So up until this time, they were meeting in a room. Now they are out open publicly, And they're preaching Christ and signs and wonders are happening. So you see the increasing working through this really power of the Holy Spirit to bring forth the purity. It says not yet not none of the rest dare join them, but the people esteem them highly. At some point, you have to make a decision when you're reading the book of Acts that you're reading this. And this is my decision. When I read the book of Acts, I'm yearning for the same power of God to be at work. I, I'm not one of those guys who uh, this time around, I guess it's just all over, you know, and, and I think when we read of the signs and wonders that they experienced and it's legitimate, we say unto God, where are the signs and wonders that we read about? And so look at how the church has tried to produce those through various wranglings, tactics, ministries, uh, trying to stir up some sort of activity in the church. They try to create this. But here's uh, here's the take that I, I believe we learned from Acts 5. There's a direct la- relationship between purity in the church and the power of God. That's why I reference Wales. That's why I reference these revivals. Because it was not just people, you know, coming to a weekend crusade. That's the terms they were called. Or now we don't call them crusades anymore, do we? What do we call them? Because crusades got a bad connotation. So we call them festivals or whatever we we term them. But what happened in the beginning, every place where the Holy Spirit is poured out, there there's a purity that comes through. There is a getting right with God. And the direct relationship to this power really is, is damaged by hypocrisy. It's a horrible evil. When's the last time you heard a sermon about hypocrisy? I just said how horrible and evil it is for us to lie to one another, making people think we're something we're not and, or making, making people think we're walking in power and purity, but yet there's nothing there. Now, in that direct relationship, 14 describes the power, describes what happened out of that, that mighty outpouring is believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. Not multitudes coming to church service. Not multitudes coming from one church to another. And and this is what the, Pastor Chuck's thought out of this. And I this is, this is important for us. He says it this way. I'm convinced that when a church has become what God wants the church to be, then the Lord will do for the church what he's longing to do. And this is that forming together that we would have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to do, to be those things that he wants us to be. However, today most church things go around and I get, I still get invited to them. i never gone to church growth program conferences. That's the big thing. Now, I would say years ago, uh, I would probably get invited to about 40 of those a year. Through email, sending out. Church growth programs try this, do that, and it seems like in order to do that now many churches have been willing to compromise the gospel in order to draw more people. Think of the think of the Willow Creek seeker sensitive model. It's designed to bring people in so then they do not talk about the sinfulness in very specific things. So what happened in as people are being saved, the supernatural mighty working power of God through the gifts of miracles. They brought the sick out into the streets and they laid them on the beds and couches and that the shadow of Peter passing by would come upon them. And and so the implication or the inference is if you were sick and Peter walked by with his shadow, it's it's like a supernatural or we would call them unusual miracles. The inference is they were getting healed. From the shadow. Now, we we reach this point where I don't know what your response to that would be. It it certainly isn't that Peter's the first pope. That's not the response out of that. But how do you read something like that and and put together and do you say, well, that can't happen anymore? Or do you stir up in yourself saying, what is it that happened that that something like that could happen? And could it happen again? Would it happen again? What 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 happened? Well, and this is really the heart of what I want to talk to us about tonight. It's 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 faith. I I believe and I I agree together again. I with Pastor Chuck, I think this is is true. Most of us possess what we would term passive faith. We would freely be able to agree with the scriptures and say I believe God did that, and we would say things like this. We believe that it is possible for God to heal in this way. But isn't it quite actually another to be at that place where you're involved with that situation to say, to say God is going to heal, God can and will do it. That's active faith. Now, You know how subtle it is? To settle ourselves into a passive faith and never be called upon to act in faith, even though the scriptures are filled with all kinds of people with examples where, where there's, the, again, what I would call a point of contact for their faith. And, and it switches from passive to active. You, know, you think of the centurion who comes to that place and realizes the authority of Jesus. And he just says, what faith? He says, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. You don't need to come into my house. It went from, I need to get to Jesus so my servant can be healed, because I, I believe Jesus can do this, to when he sees Jesus, he, and I don't know if he saw some miracle happen, but he comes to that place, and, he, and then now it's active, and he just says, Jesus, speak the word. Or the woman who had the flow of blood for 12 years coming through, and that's active. She's like, I just need to touch him. Uh, it's recorded in the book of Acts as in the f- future from where this. at. So Peter's shadow cast upon them. And there's nothing in Peter's shadow, but there was an active faith that there was so many miracles going on. So and and maybe it was difficult to get close. That that they. It's like there was this active faith. It's like the Holy Spirit is healing, and I believe that that this will happen. So. They like, I gotta get there. So there's a point of contact. Pastor Chuck always shares a story about a woman who wanted the wanted the baptism with the Holy Spirit, wanted the gift of tongues, but always in in her intellect was I, I don't I don't I don't know how to do this. I believe God can do this, but she was very passive in the faith. And one day, when they were waiting upon the Lord, the the air handling system, the HVAC, kicked in. I don't know if it was heat or cool. And she heard the sound of the furnace, and it, it was like loud, and and it started to sound like wind. And she started saying, it's the, it's the rushing mighty wind. It's the rushing mighty, mighty wind. It was actually the furnace. Now, it's not the furnace that filled her, but it was the Holy Spirit that filled her. The furnace was the point of contact that she actually believed. So she went from passive faith to active faith, And guess what? The moment she thought that 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 was actually the Holy Spirit filling the room, she received the gift of tongues and was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a strange thing for us. When you read in Acts 5, it's a strange thing. It is a strange thing for the Holy Spirit to have two people drop dead in church service. Right? That is a strange occurrence. But likewise, these mighty signs, wonders, power, miracles that continued the shadow passing by, it isn't about Peter's shadow. You can't replicate that. You don't set up at a time of day. We only do ministry now when the shadow can be cast upon the sick and none of that stuff. But there was a point of contact. Now, I think it comes down to this act of faith. We have instructions in the scripture. If any of you are sick, you call for the elders. They anoint you with oil, they lay hands on, pray for you. James says that that prayer of faith anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, the prayer of faith will save the sick. That word for sick there is someone who is in bed who is not getting up this isn't this isn't someone's just having a bad cold. this is this person in bed is going to die unless this prayer of faith saves them. that's active faith. It's when we switch from right? Passive faith to active faith. Now I have, I have a testimony of this and, and, uh, we would do pastors meetings in the three state, four state area, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa. About once a year we'd get together, travel places. They would just travel around. We'd go and I went with my pastor one time down to Cherokee, Iowa. And we, we took a time after meeting together and just meeting some of the, the guys. Um, I, this is way back. Um, uh, Calvary Chapel of the Raccoon R- uh, River Valley remember we went down to Iowa to that meeting some of those other guys were there uh, what was his name not Dwayne Carson's his last name anyway just reminiscing there and we were we were there waiting upon the Lord and eyes closed and, and uh, waiting upon the Holy Spirit and this is the first time my pastor had his oil in his pocket he anointed my forehead with oil and I, I began to prophesy because I, I, it's like I believed when he put the oil on my head that that the Holy Spirit gave me a gift right on the spot. That's the first time I experienced going to what I would call active faith. Now I've exercised that since then. From when you're in a service and we're waiting for the Holy Spirit and you have something, gift of the Spirit that you're to operate in. Okay and I've experienced this where I think I need to see, say something, and then just about the time they're wrapping up, because I was, should I say it, not say it, and then I blurted it out, and, and then nobody heard me, and I, well, I, I was embarrassed that I said anything. I've had those experiences too. But then there's another times where, where I'm there waiting upon the Lord, and it's like, I know I'm most definitely filled. The Holy Spirit filled me right now, and he has, is saying this, and then I have a word of exhortation for those that are there. Active faith. So what happened in those days, that this brought a multitude from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. This report of people getting healed, bringing the sick people, those that were tormented by clean spirits. And look at the end of 16. They were all healed. And you know what I really like reading about the revivals? The supernatural working power of God through the active faith of the believing that the Spirit of God was doing these things. And He was and it increases more and more of the works. So in the context, God preserved the purity of the church. With that purity came marvelous power. And what what happens? The word of God spread. They were all healed. So unusual chapter. We should be like, uh, never before, like the Holy Spirit killed some people, preserving the purity. Unusual. Holy Spirit did unusual miracles, and then Everybody everybody was being healed. When's the last time you heard something like that? We're so passive in our faith with the gift of healing. Do you understand this? We even pray things like, God, you are able, and if today if it's your will, we're so passive with the gift of healing. Because I think the gift of healing takes active faith. And I think the gift of healing is rare because of man taking glory for it. So what do we usually find? We usually find prayers that are prayed like, well, Lord, if you want to do this tonight, and that's passive faith. So we learn from this, only if the church had that kind of power reading in Acts 5 today, what an impact we could make on our communities. Are you imagine everybody coming and getting healed? Well, here's Chuck's theory on what's preventing that mighty working power. First one he names is Corruption. He says, in all fear and lowliness, the apostles gave glory to God. Many people today would be corrupted if they had that kind of power. you imagine everybody coming and being healed? (coughs) Here's another one, lack of priority. Um, What were the apostles doing in those early days? What were they giving themselves to do all the time? They gave themselves to the word of God and prayer. How many hours do you pray a day Are you, are you you or study your word? How much are you in the word praying, asking the Holy Spirit? Are you doing that all day long? Okay, you see where this is at. In days of revival, what happens? There are prayer meetings that last for hours. You, you catch this. But now today the priority is, okay, we'll go this long, and then we've got to get home and do this. We've got these other things to do. And then the many distractions of the preoccupation. So, it's not to say that God can't work in the modern environment, but the elements of purity and and commitment are missing. Um, Forget the guy's name who wrote, he he wrote, Why Revival Tarries? It's an interesting take. And you know what his theory is? Why Revival Tarries is because there's no one willing to pray and wait and seek the Lord in that way and put off everything of the world in order to Have this happen. Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill. Now, it's not like he's a sound guy. Now, I think he landed with really in the group of the false prophets down in Kansas City with with them. So I'm not like recommending everything he did. But in his old days, he had this soundness. And he was one of the first guys identifying, and I'll say it this way, entertainment. You realize how entertainment has swept through the church as well as the world? There is Christian entertainment, specifically designed to entertain Christians with Christian things, but it's a complete distraction. Now, so we wrap up tonight. In those days, it even says that the high priest rose up, and all that were with him dissected the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. So back to that tactic of of the outside getting so angry that now the anger and indignation rises up from the Sadducees. And it says in 18, they lay their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. They were not going to sit idly by while everybody was, I mean, they're now publicly meeting. All these miracles are happening. People are coming and flooding Jerusalem, and they're not going to let it happen. They put them in the common prison at night. The angel of the Lord opened the prison doors brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And if you take nothing else away tonight, take that away, that we have been given the words of life. It's the same way that Jesus describes, I I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. what really happens for us in the church is we settle into—I guess this is the way it's going to be—daily life, tasks, work. You know, we, we we can become so weighed down by the daily life. But this is why we come to church. This is why we. This is why we why we do afterglows. This is why why we get together. This is why we pray. We seek the Lord. Why we go out and do things together is because we believe in this mighty working power of God. That, that we would get out of our daily lives and be able to live for the Lord and do those things and then find that in our daily lives, our attention changes to, Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, would you save my neighbor? You, you I've been there like you, just focused in on what i got to get done, what's happening today. And we find that in all that opposition, they were told to go and speak the words of this life. They heard that. They entered the temple early in the morning and taught. The high priest and those with them came and called the council together. They got all the elders together. And as they did that, they they sent word down to the prison to have them brought out. Verse 21. And we know what happens. They go there and they find the doors locked and shut. Everything standing securely. But they're not there. And like, what happened? Now, here we have an approach. And uh, it's really where I leave off tonight. It's like we have before us in the words of this life to go forth and declare this, even if you do it on your own personal level, to, to make it your personal work by the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that you meet and that person doesn't like it or they don't like it. And and go on. And, and maybe they say all kinds of things. What we find happens is the Holy Spirit is insistent and says, you go and continue to speak the words of this life. They go right back to it. They're arrested, and the Holy Spirit gets them out of prison, puts them right back to the work. I love what happened for the Apostle Paul. Iconia, Lystra, Derby. Was it it Lystra or Derby where he was stoned, drug out of the city and stoned? Right? And what happens when he comes to, gets back up, goes right back into the city. I just want to encourage us in light of this wonderful truth concerning how we are to be spirit-filled, spirit-led, and to give ourselves unto the Lord to get our lives right with him and to continue in those things and to live for him. Uh, is, Is there more or less distraction now in the world? I think the distractions are more accessible now I think, I think the challenge for us as believers is to say no to the entertainment factor of life and to say, we're going to seek God now. That's why, why I took Calvary Chapel Grand Forks out of the Deuteronomy study and brought us here into the Acts study so that we together can be stirred up again over this working of the Holy Spirit. We can sit here and say it will never happen in our day or we we'll read about revival. But where is the group of people who will begin to seek the Lord in prayer and the word of God and start seeking for what God wants to do? And that's us. And if revival tarries, why does it tarry? Well, where are the Elijahs who pray like that? And I just accept that. And just I have so much lack in my own personal life. I and and that's what it what it comes down to. And I don't it doesn't it doesn't cause me despair and not, none of those things. It's just me personally as I and these are my prayers this last week. Lord, I want more time for prayer. I've come to realize that is the peace and the component to to seek the one who has this power. And that's what I bring and hand off to you. I'm not giving up on God doing a work in Grand Forks. Are you guys? I'm not giving up. Does he want to use us? I don't know. But I I want to be a part of what God is doing. And if that means we wait and, and we pray and book of Acts and it changes our viewpoints and we put aside some things of the world and we take up. Lord, I'm going to pray for this work of salvation. What if we're called here as a small group to pray for the coming work that we never ever get to actually see, but our prayers are a part of sowing that work for what God wants to do. You do realize that's always a very real possibility that you're called to pray and to do that work. Testimonies coming out of the early days of, of missionaries going into India. One of, the, one of the methods that they would get something started, a guy would, would go to one of those cities Lock himself up in in his house and do nothing but pray for days and weeks on end until God began to do things. Who's got time for that now? i've got to work i've gotta I've gotta do this, and I've gotta do that and 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 frankly you you catch how the book of Acts all of a sudden the book of Acts and we can just push it off in our minds so far away that it's no longer attainable because who lives that way anymore who would pour out their lives from morning to night to have people saved. Now, Paul Steggy, I heard him at the East Coast Pastors Conference, and he had a ministry. He is a UPS driver, and he works the evening shift into overnight, and he began to share the gospel, and the Lord gave him an understanding that the gospel for him was a lot like him carrying a package. It's not his package, it's to be delivered unto the one to whom he shares the gospel with. And now his ministry is involved with, with, with giving away Bibles and unto salvation in all kinds of places. They will be involved with giving away 15,000, 30,000 Bibles in outreach. And people are getting saved simply by that, which, which began for him in his personal life, on the job, Following the Holy Spirit and through the power and gifts of the Spirit, he said the same way. He says, the Holy Spirit gives me what I need in that situation. And he says, there's many nights he doesn't talk to anybody. But then there's those times where the Holy Spirit puts him right in front of somebody and the Holy Spirit gives him. And he gave a he gave a testimony of of one, he was making a delivery and it was like a weekend evening and the people came to the door and they were obviously partying. <clears throat> and the woman that came to the door and the Holy Spirit said to him he says it's her birthday and he and he says to her happy birthday something about that you could have the package on happy birthday to you and she immediately because she she was actually a backslidden christian immediately the spirit convicted her that only the way that driver could know was by the power of the holy spirit that type of stuff so, I'll leave you with that. Just to stir you up in your own personal life. You know, don't look at the church like, what do I get to do or I don't get, there's not enough to do. None of those things. You get built up here in the Holy Spirit. You go back home, you pray, you wait, you get in the word of God. You say, "Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do?" And if just pray until when you you pray until God shows you what to do, then go do that. And and for us the early days in Fargo, moorhead was what's what we did we we prayed until we knew what God wanted to do and that's when we went out to Ramkey Park and that's when we started sharing the gospel we had we had 20 of the neighborhood kids coming to the to the to the children's ministry in a matter of probably a couple months they all wanted to be there it's rather interesting as you just do stuff like that so amen so heavenly father we pray for the holy spirit but even more teach us to be your followers in that way, giving ourselves to the word of God in prayer as you lead and guide. We ask for the Holy Spirit. We ask that you save Grand Forks. May we never go tired of praying and waiting, praying and waiting, asking, Lord, teach us. Lord, send forth your spirit. Lord, we, we recognize nothing's happening here unless your spirit is poured out. Nothing's happening unless there's prayer. Lord, purify our lives. Teach us more and more about Jesus and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So, Lord, bless you. I pray that, that this is not heavy for you, but rather you could see that your life is to be transformed and renewed by the Holy Spirit. And if you're at home, I would say for you, give yourself to to learn to pray more and more. And and get that ministry of intercession and begin praying for those around you. You always can have a ministry, even if nobody else seemingly knows about it. So many times we lose that contact and we think, well, nothing's happening. And we turn aside to the entertainment to fill the time. And I'm as guilty as you are. Okay, Don't, don't think I'm up here saying one thing. You think I want to be a hypocrite up front? Right? You read about Ananias and Sapphira. I have determined not to be something more than I am. Because if I am, I would lose my wife and kids. I'd go home and they they go home. You said that, but you don't live that way. I don't, I don't want to lose it all. I would much rather be before you in reality, and failure, and whatever it might be. But I can read the scriptures like you and say, I want that. And take steps to have that in my life. Just like you. So, all right. God bless. You're at liberty. You're free. There's more food, snacks, fellowship. Except for you, John, you've already you've already eaten all your pieces of sausage that you can eat in one night. You've maximized your quantity.